Welcome to the Consulting Lifestyle Podcast to Chris Thompson. Welcome to the Consulting Lifestyle Podcast. I am your host, Diogen Tirandekura. On this show, you will discover the realities, the successes and the struggles of business management and information technology consultants in the fast-moving B2B world. So stay tuned if you want to know more about what it takes to have a consulting lifestyle. My guest today is Christopher Thompson. Christopher is one of the co-owners of Student Works, and we will be talking about the importance of having a purpose-driven business model. And when I say the importance, is also the advantage of it. And with the work that he's doing at the Student Works is actually related to providing opportunities, so leadership opportunities, career opportunities to students. And it's a very, uh, very specific and very uh, a special business model, but a very successful one as well. And uh, we will be addressing uh, subjects such as mindset, leadership, working with your spouse, and uh, also how Student Works has coped and is coping right now with the pandemic. And uh, I'm pretty sure you will uh, find a lot of value in, in this episode. So without further ado, let's start with Christopher Thompson. Hello, Chris. How are you? Fantastic. Thanks so much for having me here. Thank you. Thank you. Actually, you were uh, spontaneous in the way we uh, got in touch together. And I think you have a very, very interesting story. And uh, I'm very interested into knowing your story and the story of your business. So uh, let's start by... Uh, having you sharing like part of your, uh, of your career story, uh, Chris. Yeah, so when I was at the University of Toronto, I bumped into a person who had just started really kind of franchising this concept. And basically what he discovered was that a lot of people were, he was, he was trying to figure out how to make a living, uh, you know, as a student, pay for school. And there were a lot of people who were interested in painting and a lot of homeowners. And so he developed a model and I was the 10th owner operator of that model. And the model basically is we spend every fall recruiting university students to run either painting or window cleaning businesses. And they are entrepreneurial. They actually invest and run their own business. And then every January to April, while they're in school, while they're in university, okay, more specifically, they spend 15 to 25 hours a week selling, marketing, recruiting people for their teams so that come May to August, they are running their own business. So they're doing anywhere from you know $50,000 to $500,000 worth of business, which is our best ever business as a student in those four months. Wow. Only those four months or so even the $50,000 mark is... <laughs> yes. It's pretty, it's pretty high because it's higher than 10000 per month then. Yes. And... So when you say you hire, maybe you didn't use that word, but you, you, yes. go, you go to hire stu students. How do you get in touch with them? Uh, yeah, so, so I think, you know, first of all, no, we don't hire them, but we recruit them. We share this opportunity with them, okay? And okay. so number one, over 50% of past year students come back every year. So that's one thing is we have an incredible retention rate. Retention. Number two, for every student that comes back, typically they refer one friend. Okay. And many of those have worked as a painter or window cleaner before. So when yeah. you start with that basis, and then we've got a 
strategic relationship with somebody who does a bunch of marketing online. We are just starting to test Facebook and YouTube ads and social media. So those are the other ways that we're really recruiting. And it's, it feels really wonderful. But the most important thing is we've got a brand of people who just love the business, who are mm-hmm. learning so much, who are growing so much. And that's the real key is the program wins. And so then our team members want to go out and find other people to help them get what they got. Like that's a real huge part is when your business does good, people are excited to help you do more good. And that's (laughs) what our business does. Okay. Excellent. So you, you were hooked directly. So you, you, uh, you, you got to when, know it while you were the student and then you, ne- you never stopped or you, uh, you started? Yeah, no, I, I, I basically, you know, I was one of those weirdos. So, uh, <laughs> you, know, uh, you know, I remember sitting in a bar close to the office where we went, you know, we all came after, you know, every two weeks we get together and went to a bar. And I just remember going, do you recognize what a difference this is going to make in our careers? Like learning what we're learning. And I just remember everyone looking, you know, kind of at me like, shut up and have a beer, you know, shut up and how are the Blue Jays doing or whatever, right? Like we were probably pre-Blue Jays. But anyhow, it was one of those things where I could see what was happening. I could see the skill set. And so the two owners of the business, they're still good friends. They're wonderful people. They were kind of running the business to make money, like most people run a business. But for Mm -hmm. me, it was just a real passion. I just thought, This is something that, first of all, yes, I could make good money at it, but really I could make a real difference. And I was someone who it made a real difference for. And then a bunch of my good friends who now are still my good friends are people who who it's made a real difference for. So I kind of, again, drank the Kool-Aid and keep drinking the Kool-Aid and just really believe in what we do. Yes, the business is doing well. But you also have a, the feeling, not the feeling, you actually notice that you, uh, you make a huge impact or at least yes. your organization make a huge impact. What does your organization look like, like the core of the organization? Sure. What's, the, what's the core team? I'm the head coach. I basically recruit, I train, I coach. That's, those are the three things I really do. My partner and the CEO is my wife, and she actually was business school trained and And so she manages the legals, the structures, the office. We've got three people in the office who do all the accounting, who support all of the field. We have an amazing vice president who has has come up through our business. He's he's highly intelligent, creative, you know, all over the internet and the marketing and the online marketing. Mm -hmm. And then we've got our most senior district managers has been here seven years and we're hoping that they just keep staying as they keep learning and developing and, you know, certainly earning great money, but also really making an impact on the students that we're working with. So we've got a district manager team that then coaches all of these operators, either in the painting business or the window cleaning business. And then underneath them are literally hundreds of workers every summer. So we have over a thousand workers every summer who get all this work done. That is amazing. I just have one question. What's your, your wife telling you to watch the Blue Jays when you... <laughs> <laughs> no, she doesn't at all. So no. <laughs> no? Okay. <laughs> so so my, my interest in the program um, predated my wife by a little bit, but she did know me when I was sort of, quote unquote, <laughs> okay. an operator in the business. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> funny. Uh, that's, that, that's funny. Uh, but, but, that, it's, but it is interesting as well as clearly... I'm the eye in the sky, passionate, 
heart of the business. And my wife is very, very much more analytical, pragmatic, you know, what's going to happen, how. And so it really does speak to all businesses. You know, in our business, since she came, come involved, our business has grown by 400%. You know, next year, good chance we'll get to 500%. And it's not like I'm doing anything differently, but, you know, she's a huge part of that. Our VP is a huge part of that. But it's just with the structure, with the analytics, with things that I don't really have, they're providing and it's elevating the business. And and obviously, you know that in your consulting business. Yeah, indeed. Yeah, complementarity is is, uh, mm-hmm. is is key. It's very important. So that that was actually you you started on the the next question that I had in my in my head is how did the business grow? Because uh, just before we recorded, you 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 said that you are uh, present in different areas of Canada. So yes, how, how did it grow? So basically, in 1989, I got to be a partner, and then in 1993, I got to buy out the founder, and then somebody also bought out the founder in Western Canada. So I've run the business in Eastern Canada since 1993. So basically, we run right across Canada. As a group, this coming season, we'll do you know, well over $30 million worth of business. And so it's, it would have grown, again, the, the, the West the same way would have grown enormously since then, just getting better and better. And we share best practices between each other. That's a really great thing is, is that we have other people who do what we do in different markets. So wherever we're able to learn from them. From them um, yeah. And that's, and actually I was speaking to somebody who runs a business like this in California this morning. And I'm able to share with him things that really help us. And it doesn't matter because it just helps him. And then he shares us great ideas yeah. and we learn from each other and we're non-competitive. So that's yeah. another really great thing for, you know, the listeners to sort of think about, gee, are there ways to develop relationship outside my marketplace? So they'll really just share with me and I can really share with them honestly about what's going on. Yeah, that's great. And uh, the end uh, user, I want to say the end consumer, yes. so the the owner of the house that you paint or that you uh, or the, the building that you clean, they uh, get in touch with you directly, I mean, with StudentWorks directly or StudentWorks reach out to them? Yeah, so multiple ways. So okay. we get a lot of business over the internet, a lot of business over Facebook, over home shows, pre-pandemic, lawn signs, customer lists that we use. So there's, there's really two ways. First of all, we've de- developed a really great brand. We're heading into our 40th year in the business. So people know of us in the markets that we work in. Yeah. But there's no question a huge part of our business is really just our t- coaching our students to go knock on doors, to go have conversations with people in their neighborhood. And a lot of people look not properly at that type of activity. You need to know how to have a great conversation with someone. Like I can go and have a really easy conversation with someone, stop them, have an elevator pitch or in a cocktail party, talk about my business really quickly, easily. And that gets trained by you going door to door and, and, yes. and talking to people. And the other thing is, is we know who our customers are. They're in these homes in these neighborhoods and they're tough to reach any other way. So by knocking on their door, it's actually a way to go reach them. And one of the things that makes our business so successful is people love the idea of supporting students. So they like the idea that here's this young person and sometimes people have in their mind, oh, students aren't hardworking or students aren't whatever, but they (laughs) thought, wow, this person's really keen. This person's really motivated and that excites them. Yeah, definitely. That's a great point. And another thing I wanted to say is more from from the, the, the viewpoint of the student. 
you have shared with me a few success stories. So I would like yes. you to maybe share one success story and also share how students can get changed through that process of learning and starting to run their business, how they are changed four months or 12 months later. Yeah. So, you know, when we're talking, like, you know, we could talk about a couple of things. We could talk about a student being changed every summer. We run a transformational program. We, we have people who come in not very confident and then afterwards they're running a hundred thousand dollar business. And, you know, the stories that are most inspiring for me, Diagene, but don't make me any money are the calls where last month I got a call from someone in Florida and he got offered to buy his business for, you know, seven figures. And he wanted to talk to me about whether you should take the offer or not. And yeah. so that's pretty exciting. 20 years after the fact, one of the things that's really exciting is that he'd want to talk to me about it. You know, so, so, yes. you know, again, it, it's not money, but it's, it's inspiring. It's living the cause that we're really committed to, which is really creating amazing leaders and really making a difference in our communities. Because if you're, you know, someone's looking to buy your business for multiple millions, it's worth something. It's created jobs. It's created economic input that is really valuable. So, and then really, to me, so much of the success that we have is really teaching people how to think. There's, you know, just, just what mindsets people need to have. You know, oh, something bad happens. Excellent. Why is this happening for me? You know, something bad happens. Wonderful. What learning opportunity comes through this? You know, I can learn or I can earn. There's so many, so many things. One of the big things that we talk about in our program is, is really being aware of the becoming self. So often we've got these, you know, 18, 19, 20 year olds come into our program and they're really committed to by 40 being this or by 30 being this. Well, let's talk about that. Well, that means I need not to have a fixed mindset. I need to really have a growth mindset. And I need to understand that growth doesn't happen, this steady, steady growth. It's likely to go up and down. It's likely to get bumpy. And that's okay. And so those are a bunch of the mindsets that we really teach. And I also believe that, you know, again, skill sets are important, but what are way more important that, that are mindsets? And that if I just get used to having these mindsets and committed to these mindsets and then just practiced in these mindsets, then those mindsets are with me for decades. Right. And, exactly. and, and certainly, again, those mindsets that I learned when I was 18, 19, 20 still serve me um, mm -hmm. and are a huge part of, again, the success that I've had from the program. I know I own the program, but really, again, I consider myself also a part of the program and I learned <laughs> these things in the program. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. My mindset outlives any crisis, any uh, technological breakthrough where yes. skill set can vary. So, uh, that's the core skill set. What you say, what you just said about being able to uh, have a conversation with someone, knocking on the door and introducing yourself. Yeah. This can be looked down. So if I was maybe 19 or 20 year old and I'm, and I'm studying, I would be like, yeah, it's nice. It's sales door to door. But I think that if I do that intellectually complex stuff, it's better or so, somehow it's better. You, you never had that. Maybe some students ask, asking themselves, yeah, shall I do that? Is it a... Oh, for sure. For sure yeah. we do. And so that they can, like, part of it is, is, is you need to share why it matters. So they need to get over themselves. Like one of the things that's true is we're afraid of people. 
Like yeah. humans are afraid of people. So even why though- don't I want to knock on the door? Why am I, what's holding in behind? And for people listening here, why don't I want to pick up and call these clients? Or somebody reached out to me, what's preventing me from doing it? Because you're afraid of them. And then once you actually admit I'm afraid of them, then you go, is this ever crazy? Because, because no one's going to hurt me here. I live in yes. Canada or I live in the United States. Like, you know, again, I, I'm, you know, I guess in very unusual circumstances, this isn't life and death. But as reptiles growing up or our reptilian brain growing up, we're afraid of people. And so once we get that, then all of a sudden it's like, wow, I'm free to actually ask for what I want in the world. Because it yeah. starts at door to door. So in our mind, you've got to, first of all, be able to get, take someone from, I don't know you, to, oh, sure, I'll have an estimate. And then I take them from, I want an estimate to, oh, here's a $2,500 paint job. Mm -hmm. But if I can't do the first part, how could I do the second part? But then later on, don't I want to be able to ask anyone for what I want? right? So what can you give me in, in a conversation? So, so that's what's powerful, right? Having a real conversation with someone, right? Maybe with your spouse, your business partner, a new client, a new supplier. This is what I want. And a lot of people are unwilling to actually ask what they want. So we're teaching our students about how to do this again at 18, 19, 20, 21. And again, the mindset behind it, right? Like, okay, I don't have to be afraid. I can ask the question, they say yes, they say no, right? Yeah. I either win or they say no, and I'm, I'm in the same exact spot, you know? Uh, so, yeah. Uh, that's great. And, and those students, are there, do, do they have a certain profile in, in terms of the, the studies that have chosen or you have students from any that have chosen? Yeah, so, so 50% of the students are typically business students, okay? It's mm-hmm. an easily identifiable thing. But we find that we recruit a lot of people from non-business classes because when they hear about the program, they go, oh, wow, this is really exciting. And let's say I want to be a doctor or a veterinarian or a lawyer or all sorts of other types of things. I go, this would help me get that role. This would help me do better in that role. And so they see that it's leadership is not just for business people, as you know. And the other, the other profile that we're really looking for, we do a lot of personality profiling. I'm not sure if, if you do in your work. So, so we use DISC or predictive index. So we're looking for people who are, who are naturally assertive, who are naturally expressive, who are naturally multitasking and driving, who naturally, we like to say, break the rules, not the law. So, <laughs> um, <laughs> so it's like we're looking for that personality type. And then if in our recruiting process, we're finding someone who isn't, that's okay. Then we challenge them in those areas. Okay, mm-hmm. this is what that's going to mean. Are you okay with that? Yes, I want to gain that. Because what's true in life as well about personalities is, is that so I'm not assertive. If you'd met me at 18, I wouldn't have shown up as assertive to you. Because sitting in a classroom, there wasn't a lot of value in me being assertive. So I, I kind of was seemed a more consultative. But life has made me more assertive because I wanted more things to do, wanted to accomplish more. But I can also be consultative and not be assertive. It's pretty easy for me because as a kid, I was that way. I can put different masks on very easily. Actually, there's something that that you say about personalities that I I have an opinion on that. I do think I don't think that personalities are fixed stuff. We should not identify completely with your personality saying, I am an introvert. I am extrovert. I am shy. I am. I don't know why we 
we want to uh, attach ourselves to a certain identity. As you said, I think it is contextual. Uh, yes. I think it's skated. Uh, maybe there was some event, some life event that has happened, but it's something that can change. So I totally agree with what you said. You, well, and I think it's, it's actually that fixed mindset. You know, it's safe and secure in here. Okay, I know what to depend on. Okay, Chris is going to be that way all the time. That's simple. That's easy. But in fact, that's not really being fully self-expressed. It's not being all who you could be. It's great, again, to be able to be a different way as well. And, and again, like, well, by the way, as well, I think that's also sometimes is, you know, you want to be consistent. People think someone should be consistent. Well, no, I would say consistent in your values, not consistent in your personality, right? Mm -hmm. Like, you know, so, so that's what I would say. But, but I think that's one of the things. It's the fixed mindset versus the growth mindset. Growth mindset. Yes, agree. Agree. You also mentioned uh, just something before we started to record. There are a few core skills that uh, your uh, that the students must have. The the operators, if I want to yes. use the right words. <laughs> the operators. Uh, yes. The operators must must have. Uh, can you can you elaborate on that? Yeah. So so the the real key core skill you know that we're looking for is really management, and that's something that we really teach in our program. And and there's there's again so some of it would come from from a space around mindsets. Another huge piece that I love to talk about when I'm talking about management is, is really integrity. Okay, so in integrity, I don't think about integrity so much as right and wrong. I think about integrity as what I say in the world happens. Okay, so we were on time for this interview. I was here early, you came on early, and we were on time. So people can depend on us. And the world can depend on us. So, you know, we work on that with our students. So one of the biggest areas this shows up, I always love to give the example of people set an alarm in the morning, okay, for six or seven or eight, and the alarm goes off. What do people do? Snooze. <laughs> so what that says is the first commitment I made to the day, I missed. And then it all rolls away from there. Did they make their bed? Did they empty the dishwasher? Did they, you know, not clean up the kitchen? And it all unravels. Instead of when I said I was going to get up, I got up. And then when I, you know, said I was going to, you know, clean the kitchen or make my bed or, or you know, it's, it all comes back and it's together. We believe in what, what's called the four referability habits, which is a concept by the strategic coach. Um, you could Google strategiccoach.com, but it's, be on time, do what you say, finish what you, you start, say please and thank you. And if you think about those four things, if you live your life by that, your life's going to work. People are going to go, I can depend on that person. I can refer that person. You know, I, we were talking as well, you know, one of the reasons why this program works so well is so many people want to refer us is, well, because we do what we say. Because yeah. people can depend on us. Because what we say we're going to do, we're going to do. And by the way, of course, sometimes we can't. And when, it, when we can't, we own up. We said we're going to do this. We had an error. We had a mistake. We had whatever. But ultimately, we're responsible. Here's what we'll do to fix it. You know, this is what happened. But mostly, it's ownership. It's 100% yeah. ownership is what's yeah, you, powerful. You don't deflect blame or uh, yes. in, case, in case things, uh, things go wrong. That's great. The other thing is maybe we, we touch upon, we did touch upon it, but the purpose-driven business model. So yes. how different do you see it versus more traditional business model? 
so I really believe most people go into business, you know, and Milton Friedman, you know, it's, it's all about profit. Okay. So the problem with it's all about profit is number one, that really hurts our community, right? Like if it's all about profit, like I'm reading a, a book on white collar crime last night and it's, it's, it's like, well, then it's okay to be a criminal. It's okay to cheat. It's okay to not pay our taxes. It's okay to not pay our fair share. It's not, it's okay not to consider the greater good where I think if you as a company are looking out right from the start of, well, how are our staff going to do and how are our team at the office going to do? And then how's our community going to do? And, and what, what are we actually delivering? Are we just a good thing to be? then your business is going to do better. And it, it, it actually supports your business. Like in the background, you see, we will end MS. And, and so we have made a commitment 18 years ago to end MS. And so we've raised over uh, 1.8 million, or we're coming up to $2 million soon that a group of students have done over 20 years. And it's really, really pretty amazing. You know, we pay millions and millions of dollars to students to fund their university education. And so we really feel great about that. And I want to juxtaposition that, how good we feel about the good we do versus, and, and sometimes we'll see this, like a student will start out in their business and they'll, you know, an older lady, let's say, comes out and they look like they're pretty, pretty wealthy and they, they mm-hmm. upsell the job for more than they should have, or they cheat the, the worker. And, and, but you know what happens is a month in, six weeks later, they're, they're telling their coach, I feel really bad, right? Because you don't get away with that stuff, right? There's the yeah. inner, inner you and the inner you says, I'm being a, you know, fill in the blank and, mm-hmm. and I don't want to do that. So you know what happens? that person doesn't work very hard. Okay. That person isn't happy. That person isn't happy to tell their mom or their spouse when they come home, their partner and share what they're up to. And most importantly as well, that person is not motivated themselves to do the work because it's cheating work. And so if you're doing it for a purpose, you're doing it, the reason makes sense to you, then it's exciting. It's motivating. It's invigorating. And I think long-term you'll actually do better. You'll actually make more money, right? Definitely. Yeah, yeah. The reason is bigger than, than yourself and just what you earn. You did, yes. uh, I have also a, a question with regards to the, the fact that you, you work directly with your wife. Maybe it's more an advice yeah. on how you manage that. Like, you know, you, when I am not working, when I am in my uh, private time, I think it's... Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, so um, first of all, what I would say is we were really successfully married. I guess we've been over 30 years together before we started working together. You know, so for wow. about 12 oh, years, God. we started working together. Mm-hmm. And if you want your life to be about easy, don't work with your spouse is what I'd say. But if you <laughs> want your life, it, but for us, there's no question a huge part of this has been an enormous amount of personal growth for us because she was a certain or is a certain way, was a certain way. I'm a certain way. Those things collided. They never collided raising the children. They never mm-hmm. collided going out for a hike or, or going out for dinner or being together, but they collided in the business. What we discovered is ways to set up structures. You're in charge of this. I'm in charge of this. Here's how we'll discuss things. And then, you know, part of it is as well is, is that, you know, my wife will sometimes say this is she'll say, like, you'd never say that to so-and-so at the office the way you said it. And she goes, you're right, because you're my husband. And, mm-hmm. and some of that is just accurate, right? So you just go, okay. So some of it will just, like, not be okay, 
right? <laughs> like, like, you know, just like, like sometimes we're just not okay. Isn't it true that sometimes we, we treat the ones we love worst, you know, especially in moments, right? In moments, yeah. right? Yeah. Oh my God, was I ever a jerk there? So what do we do? I'm sorry. I love you. I care for you. And let's, let's get back to actually being who we are. So those are things that we've seen. And again, during the middle, you know, at times it was pretty bouncy, but now we've really got structures that support us. You know, we're seeing all the things that she contributes to the business. She sees all the things that I contribute to the business. We, we never could have done as well separately for sure. And so that there's real value and it is hard for sure. Like it's, it's many, many times it's really easy. One of the challenges as well is because so much of what we're doing is we do together. So that's something as well. It's like, okay, hey, I'm, I'm not going to talk to you about work during the day. I'm just going to work with the parts of the business I'm working with and you do that. So we, so that those are things that we've learned. So it's just more space. So there's more space later for us. Yeah. Okay. That's a great answer. I think a lot of people that are starting to work or thinking about working with their spouse, life partner, that's great, uh, great advice. Also, maybe do you, because this business is existing since about, uh, about 40 years, if I'm not wrong, do you see it as a, maybe it's personal, but do you see it as a family thing business. as well? Is, or, are your uh, children involved? One of our sons is involved and he's still really young. You know, it's, it's still a big question to sort of say, would he want to do ah, this yeah, long yeah, term? Yeah, well, but okay. for us, you know, I've always told people and I believe it is, is that ultimately, hey, I, I, I want to do this until, you know, I slide into home plate and I'm dust. And I get as well that there may be a time where just practically we need to sell the thing, you know, but we would, again, take it like a trust to share it with someone who would run it like us. And, and, and again, as I mentioned, maybe we'd share a chunk of it. So I'd still keep some of it so that I could still be involved, you know, as a chairman or whatever it is, just because I just, again, I, you know, one, one thing I remember a couple decades ago, sitting with a group of young entrepreneurs and them saying, what would you like to do? What's your vision for the life? And almost all of them say, once I win, I want to go help young people. Like almost uh, all of them, I remember saying that. And I go, that's actually what I'm doing as I'm winning. So it's like, why wouldn't I want to keep doing that? And, and again, I, you know, as long as I'm not overextending myself or working too hard or overextended, which I'm not, then it's a, it's a perfect spot. You're right. We have that. Uh, it's again a, a mindset as well, thinking that we have to start by doing things that we don't necessarily like or that, we, that are not in our purpose. And then we do eventually we will eventually do what we wanted to do so indeed yes. you're, you're totally right as you're winning you're doing what you like so it's a special year and uh, in your business model you have uh, young people knocking on doors and we have had no we don't we, we still have a pandemic, pandemic that, yes that is ongoing so i would like to know how has changed your office life and uh, and for your uh, district managers and operators what uh, well, it was a very scary time for us. So we got everybody set up and started in recruiting. We had like a $750,000 week and then the Quebec and Ontario governments shut us down. We couldn't go out. Sorry, also the East Coast. The East Coast let us out sooner, but the Ontario and Quebec governments basically for six weeks, the biggest six weeks of our sales season, wouldn't allow us out. So yeah. we called people, we did online estimates, but way, way less than we were normally doing. We also couldn't train people because we couldn't come out of the houses. 
And so we had all sorts of pandemic forecasts. Well, or will we be able to survive? Will they let us out? But I'm sure a lot of people listening had those same fears and concerns. So what we always tried to do was focus on what's the next thing we can do. This is what's happening. And it's just all that's happening. And let's not go have our head race about, oh, we're going to fail or anything like that. That's just no value in that. So mm -hmm. what could we do? And we, we met more regularly with our senior team. We tried to discover things that we could do. And again, we stopped canvassing. That's just lunacy for us. We canvass all the time. But it was the right thing to do for our community. People were at the doors, frightened. So we said, this doesn't make sense. So we stopped. And then... As they started letting people out, or, or you know, okay, you can you can go start painting outside, you can start window cleaning outside. We started doing that, and then the community was there, and then it was it was like, wow, we were really really welcome back, and it was like, oh wow, we want you here, and the, the business boomed month week over week over week. We actually grew by two million dollars. We had our best year ever. We also discovered where we'd never done much Facebook marketing, but we, we created a bunch of Facebook marketing campaigns, individual Facebook marketing campaigns. So it is fascinating um, when things, and by the way, other competitors across North America, I know didn't do as well. They had a lot of people quit. They had a lot of people stop working. They had a lot of people not see themselves through, but mm -hmm. it made us stronger. Um, and we think it will make us stronger, even stronger for next year because of the things that we learned, the things that we took advantage of in the business. That is excellent. And with all the things that you, uh, that you have said, you are a guest on the podcast, but you're also the host of a podcast. Yes. And that is aptly called Leaders of Tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. And, and yeah. so every week I interview one of the amazing alumni of our program. We've had 177 millionaires co-created by our program. And then one week also we'll interview somebody in the program or around the program. And it's been an amazing journey. Uh, we've been doing it now for two years. And it's just invigorating, really, really powerful stories of leadership and entrepreneurship. The, the biggest lens on it is, first of all, invigorating stories of leaders, but also yeah. how, to, how to craft the future. Because that's kind of how I look at it is 20-year-olds thinking, what should I do next? What would my career look like? And I'm seeing people at 30, at 40, at 50 being really successful. What did they do? What were some of the decision points they made in accounting and law and business and entrepreneurship? So that's kind of the avatar that we use. That is excellent. I will, uh, I will put the link uh, in, the, in the show notes. I would recommend anyone. To Thank do you. That. And um, so it's, it, was a great, uh, it was a great interview. And there is a, a last question that I want to ask. Uh, we are on the Consulting Lifestyle Podcast. I would like to know uh, for you, Chris, what does having a consulting lifestyle mean? Well, the biggest thing that I think anyone should look at about being a consultant is this, is every day you get to go out and serve people. Every day you get to go out and be a contribution. What a great way to spend your life. So people you know, get to go and go, thank you, Dijonet. Thank you. You know, wow, I, I learned that. I, I developed that. I created that. I, I, you're, you're helping someone, again, make money, you know, be more successful for their family, make progress in their, in their, in their career. So, so to me, having a consulting lifestyle has been that. And that's what I've loved most about, about my life. And so, you know, over decades, I've had real, real powerful impact on people. And uh, that's what I love about consulting. 
Yeah, that's great. Great, great answer, Chris. And uh, where can people find you if they want to get in touch with you? Beyond the so so uh, I know you're, you know, LinkedIn is a great spot. I know you'll put that in the podcast notes. We have studentworks.com. And if you'd like some intellectual capital, you can go to studentworks.com slash consulting. We have the five skills information for you if you'd like to go there to get that. And then, of course, the Leaders of Tomorrow podcast. You can hear more about what we're up to. Okay. Excellent, Chris. I think that was a great interview and very needed in this time, in these difficult times. And uh, it would be a pleasure to, uh, to talk again soon. Yes. Thank you so much. Uh, continued success. Thank you for listening to the Consulting Lifestyle Podcast. Leave a review on iTunes if you have enjoyed the episode and subscribe to the podcast so that you get notified to hear other episodes with your host, Diogène Tirandekoura.